center. Forget about this one. Drive home safely. One nothing walk off. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to the base. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. My, oh, my. It is the walk-off, Holden Kushner and Ryan Spader, and we are joined by Kurt Schilling, of course, uh, Red Sox fame, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and World Series champions. Kurt, thank you so much for hopping on. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. It's good oh, to finally you... hear your voice, Ryan. <laughs> been a is while, that all you guys man. have been doing, Ryan? You're going back and forth on texts and emails and stuff? No, uh, I, I, Ryan has been doing a phenomenal program uh, for the military and signatures for soldiers, and and uh, I have lovingly and enjoyingly been a part of that. And I, I, I he did it on his own, unsolicited, and for that, uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, well, like uh, Kurt alluded to, he always goes to bat for our guys, and I'm always appreciative of that. And uh, he's somebody who I tried to go to bat for. I, I think that Kurt Schilling belongs in the Hall of Fame. And <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think that um, he's gotten a bad rap. Uh, I think that our media tends to be one way. And um, Kurt Schilling rubs them the wrong way. And, I go um, the other way. <laughs> I, th- I think that uh, a large part of that is why uh, he's still waiting to get his Hall of Fame plaque. And uh, Kurt, I'm just curious. Do you think that um, that that's kind of? I I, I want to say that your interview with uh, who was it that you did last year with? The, you had an interview with. Um, I did Bob Costas. Costas, yeah. And uh, I I think that that really uh, helped your case in terms of um, people viewing just the ball player, not the. Well, um, to be clear, Ryan, I certainly didn't do that to quote-unquote help my case i mean i am who i am right i mean um and and i'm i'm comfortable in my own skin flaws and all um and uh, you know the hall of fame thing has become something that i uh, I, well i've never held my breath for it and and now it's a topic of discussion because of the political angle and you know that's not what the hall of fame is about so it's unfortunate so for me, when it comes to the uh, Hall of Fame, I think there's a lot uh, there's a lot of people who are much more flawed than Kurt Schilling, regardless of what your point of views are, who are in the Hall of Fame right now. And probably some who are not quite as good as a ball player as Kurt Schilling was. I mean, I mean, you're the only pitcher in history to win a World Series game in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. And here we are still debating whether or not you belong on the Hall of Fame. And to me, it, it's never been a debate. It's, it's been like, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Roy Halladay belongs in the Hall of Fame. But as far as I'm concerned, Kurt Schilling and Roy Halladay are in the same sentence. If not, well, I appreciate feeling that. a little bit I, better. I, I, I appreciate that. The hard part for me, honestly, Ryan, it's always been that I never looked at myself like that. And I still don't. Um, I played with Hall of I played with Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez and Scott Rowland and Dale Murphy and like in my mind I I look Cal Ripken Eddie Murray I know what a Hall of Famer looks like I never looked at myself like that and I still don't and I never will I I 
I'm 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 proud and I'm honored and I feel very lucky and privileged to have people like you say those things about me. Um, but I I haven't struck anybody out in 12 years, uh, <laughs> and my vote total has changed uh, for what eight consecutive years. Um, I'm not really sure how that works, and and so you know I. I it's not something I expect to happen and I'm totally at peace with it because, you know, I, and I tell everybody this in 1992, my wife, Shonda and I were having a discussion about baseball. It was after my first legitimate season in the big leagues. And I told her I wanted, there was two things I wanted to do in my career. I said, I want to win the Roberto Clemente award and I want to retire. When I walk away from the game, I want my teammates to say life or death, win one game. Who would you want to have the ball? I wanted to be that guy. And that was what I set out my career to do. Um, Clemente, because of what the, the award represents and, and the reputation, because you have to earn it. And, and I walk away having, I feel like I did those two things. I'm good, man. If I don't get a plaque, my rings are still mine. My memories are still mine. My championship trophies are still mine. And my teammates still remember what I did. I'm good. Yeah, one thing, uh, you, you know, bringing all that up, that, really resonates with me is, uh, I don't know if you recall me being the small timer that I am, but I wrote a piece on you a little while ago about how Kurt Schilling won awards for his character right. when he was in the major leagues. I don't know if you recall that. I'm but- very proud of that. I, I, I mean, because to me, uh, and I always said I was going to be a husband and a father a lot longer than I was a baseball player. And, you know, I played longer than I certainly expected. And uh, hopefully that will be true. But those awards to me kick the crap out of everything else simply because when I think about my father and what my father wanted from me, I think my father wanted me to be that kind of person. And, and to know that in the history of the game, Jamie Moyer and I are the only people that have ever won all of those awards. I'm very, very proud of that. And, and I, I, I'm certainly, I didn't do any of that for this conversation, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that my wife and I used the window of opportunity that baseball afforded us to make a difference in people's lives. And it allowed me to go overseas and visit the soldiers twice in the Middle East, which is experiences I'll never, ever forget. So, Kurt, and it gets back, you are one of the more polarizing people in baseball. And really, it goes back to the idiots that questioned what happened back in 2004. <laughs> and I'm not saying, and I'm not talking about the Red Sox idiots. I'm talking about the idiots that could continue yeah. to do that. And then, I mean, you know all this stuff that has yep. gone around. And, um, you, you know, ultimately, you don't seem to look for, it doesn't seem like you're looking for any help to get into the Hall of Fame at that point. And just just to get this off my chest, I disagree with you on a ton of stuff. But yeah. your numbers were spectacular. And you know, I, just, I just wonder with all the things that you've done, and you should be in the Hall of Fame. Ryan and I have well, talked about this a million times. I, I saw that. you do some things. You, to me, are the greatest postseason pitcher I've ever seen. I Lester's terrific, that. I think, on that. Um, but ultimately, there's there's no political discourse where you can go in the middle. And I feel like mm-hmm. you, it, even you, it's tough to find where you have been in the middle. Right. Um, how, <laughs> how do you how do you put up with what? Here's my question. Why do you even respond to, to the things that people are throwing at you on Twitter with the current climate? Why do you even because, bother? Because, at this point? Well, first off, number one, I'm better at the game than they are. I spent 20 years in I spent 20 years in the clubhouse. I can give and take better than anybody ever thought they could on Twitter. So I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I believe 
that if you in and let's put the smart ass stuff aside i believe if you continue to 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 push dialogue in front of people that are intelligent at some point it, because you know what this is there is no middle ground anymore let's be very clear about that all right there you're either you know antifa or you, you know the, the media would say it's antifa on one side and the kkk on the other we as human beings know that no that's actually not how it is but I, so I don't know you from a hole in the ground and that you're a friend of Ryan's tells me that you're probably a pretty good guy. We may have different political views, mm -hmm. but I would bet you if we sat in the room for now, we could have a pretty cool conversation on what we agree and disagree with and why we do. And, and, and so when I go into a political conversation, when I get into an argument on Twitter, I don't usually do any of that stuff without statistics and data that are researched that I can print and validate and back. Right. This is. Right now, we're dealing with an emotional argument versus a factual argument, right? I mean, the death of George Floyd, uh, and I know, you know, we don't want to get into, into deep, but it, it, everybody on the planet that's a right-thinking human understands that's a horrific tragedy, and incredibly sad. Um, and at the hand, you know, and I understand the, 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 the outrage that, that is, is being brought to bear, but I also, and I, I've, I've done this for a long time. I blame the media for this reason. The media gets to pick and choose what we see and hear as news. And as a conservative American, I, I understand that there are racist police officers and there are racist human beings and there are police officers who are on the right and on the left. But most police officers, and when I say most, I mean 90 plus percent are good people. They're honorable people. They're doing a job no one else would do. And so when the narrative turns to the police and you know um you know all of the things that have been said i want a conversation to shift i there are no democrats like there were democrats when i grew up and it, they were you know both of us when i grew up and i don't know if this is you but i was i was marginally right center right i'm very very liberal socially i don't care about that stuff and although people would have you believe i do um i just want dialogue and burning down buildings and destroying cars and houses, that's not dialogue. And it's also, I don't think it's a majority of the people that are protesting this. I think that's its own thing. But why, why can't I have an opinion on that? Why, why would I be penalized for taking either side? Now, I understand, listen, if I'm a malicious person or I'm trying to hurt someone or I've done something that's deliberately that, – that's I've never here, – here's what I, I would tell you that the, the mind-boggling thing to me is I know how I grew up. I've never, I've never done or said or acted in any way that could ever be misconstrued even as racist. No. I don't have that I bone would, in my body. But, I, but would my point is, I would say if, this. But hold on okay, a second. Go on, please. My You're point is this. No, I, I'm sorry, but my point is this. If you ask somebody that doesn't know me, that is on the left, the first thing out of the mouth, well, he's a racist. As a matter of fact, you know, it's almost like when we talk about Trump, they talk about, well, he's a racist. Well, okay, I can't have an argument with you when the premise is flawed. Like, I, you know, it's just like me saying, oh, well, I, the fact that you beat your wife doesn't make you a bet. You know, how do you defend yourself against that? Something like that, right? Yeah. And, and I think part of my problem is that I try to defend myself at times when I probably shouldn't. But I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable with who I am. And again, flaws and all I've done and said things I regret in my whole life. But none of them has ever been malicious. And that's how I know uh, now, like 
if you look at Twitter, they just uh, you see people call me a bigot, a racist, all of these names when they actually don't have anything that I've ever done to point to post or quote. I think that the two things that they would look at would be the transsexual post. And I don't even okay. know what the other no, no, the Muslim thing. And and first of all, fair. let me apologize for talking over you. You no, are. Go ahead. That's guest. fine. That's fine. That's fine. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go second, ahead. I, I, I would say that when you say. You say there was not one thing I ever did. I think, you know, that post pissed a lot of people off. There's some okay. other things. But, so but there on. may have been things that I wonder if you just, if that's just something that you made a mistake. I mean, what was okay. that? Okay, but hold on a second. That transsexual post or that trans, the, 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 the mm. whole, that, that wasn't my post. That I responded to that post. Okay. And my response, this was during the whole bathroom. Remember when the North Carolina bathroom law was the end-all be-all of arguments? Yes. I responded to that saying, you know, the men's room was designed for men and the ladies room was designed for ladies. If we have to have our government tell us which restroom to use, there are far bigger problems. Out it was there. a picture. Right. But I again, context is everything. Right. Yes. I, 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 I responded to the picture. And I responded to the discussions of the picture, but people put that picture and say, look what he posted. No, I didn't post that. I responded to that. It was on my Facebook page. And so. But that gives free reign. And the other, you know, the other big one is the one where I I I, uh, I posted the meme of of Hitler, and I compared uh, radical Islam to Nazis, and people said that I was Islamophobic because I compared Muslims to not. No, I didn't compare Muslims. I didn't. Islamic extremists is not the same as Muslims. And so. But those things, 99% of the, the blowback I get when I argue with people is those, those tweets and those posts. And it's like, if you're not going to listen, words matter, right? I mean, if I said, God, Muslims are just like Nazis, holy crap, that's, that's something to, to, to step back and go, wait, what? But when I compare Islamic extremists to Nazis, my first response is, if that offends you, which group do you belong to? So I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. you you're good, brother. Uh, no. A lot of your what you're saying uh, speaks well to me, uh, as as you know, you and I. Um, right. And it's it's funny, you and I, uh, and then also a lot of uh, ball players who I speak to, um, who kind of fly under the radar and yep. don't necessarily want their views. They they align with Kurt yeah, well, I gotta tell you, Ryan, <laughs> I didn't realize it, and I, I wish I had when I played. And people always, you know, why don't athletes step out more? And, and especially in baseball and hockey, you don't see a lot of it, right? I mean, uh, and, and, and you know, hockey is predominantly a white sport. And, and baseball is predominantly, well, not predominantly. I don't know if you, it, Latinos and Dominicans and, and the rest. I mean, it's made up of a large, it's the most diverse community in sports world anyway. But if I had known this when I played, the fact of the matter is if as an athlete, you come out and become a conservative or a liberal, you immediately alienate half of your fans. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's the, the same thing as when I, when I played from the standpoint of this. Like in the 93 team, that 93 Phillies team, um, which was, you know, we were a bunch of gypsies, tramps, and thieves, and all the things that go with that. I, those, a lot of the guys on the team didn't treat me nice. They weren't nice to me. They were they were they were dicks to me because I wasn't a veteran. <laughs> but at the same time, I also wasn't going to run the life that they ran. And so I had to pitch my way to respect, 
which I, which is all I ever wanted anyway. It's also one of the reasons why I'm one of two guys left from that team that's still married to the same woman 30 years later. <laughs> you know, and, and so I wasn't going to jeopardize who I was for any team. You know, I always looked at sports like this. Like my team, I love my teammates, right? I had so many, I had one bad teammate in 30, 20 years. But I, I, the, the thing I was laughed at was, I had teammates who did what player athletes do when they go on the road. And my thought was, okay, your wife can't trust you, but I'm supposed to. Like, and some guys live that way. Their, their teammates were more important to them and their lives with those teammates were more important to them than the lives at home. And, and I was never one of those guys. So one thing that I saw uh, somewhat recently was when the Astros won the World Series, they went to the uh, White House. And mm-hmm. um, everybody pointed at Jose Altuve because they said, oh, look at him. He hates President Trump because look at his face and right. all that nonsense. And I, uh, I know <laughs> Altuve, and I, I know that that's not the case because he comes right. from a awful country in right. Venezuela. And, He's seen um, socialism. Yes, he has seen communism and um i i I sent a note to some of the editors that i've had that wrote some of these articles that um the places that i i've quit because i i just don't want to be a part of it anymore and i'm like guys uh take this down because this is not this guy's opinion and then of course he comes out with a tweet saying hey uh i was just in the presence of one of the most powerful men in the in the universe and uh i I was trying to be respectful and yeah it is i can tell you I don't. I, I'm not sure if any of you guys have ever been in the room with a sitting president, but it's one of it. It sucks the air out of the room. I mean, <laughs> it is. It's it's awesome. It's an incredible. I mean, I've had a, 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 a some fun. Well, I tell everybody. I said Clinton is Clinton because I have never met anybody that that ran a room the way Bill Clinton did. I mean, it was the most awe-inspiring thing I've ever seen. And I'm not a Clinton fan, but. His presence and charisma were beyond anything I've ever witnessed in my life. It was just mind-boggling to me. Um, that, that is so fascinating you say that because that's exactly the way I felt it. Like, yeah. I did not agree with a lot of things Obama was doing. I did not right. agree with a lot of things that Trump was doing. Obama, like, just the charisma, you couldn't believe it. And it's like, oh, well, my God, you met Obama. The guy has – you have to have charisma to be the president usually. But yeah, usually that's why we're in the times that we are, because the, the and and I've known Donald Trump since 2006 and uh, the, there are no things worse and more dangerous than a guy who has no charisma thinking he does and a guy that isn't funny thinking he is. <laughs> and and listen, I the man has a heart. You can't even imagine some of the things that I've seen him do and and basically, you know, in like. Basically just saying to and, and you know, it's it, it he didn't have to do it and he didn't talk, but like I've seen him in this situation where he basically said he met somebody who was an employee of his and running on hard times and basically told his assistant make sure that uh pay off their mortgage and you know uh, make it just changed people's lives. And and so and and not to mention, my god, is he a horrible public speaker. Oh and, and, and like his speech today was incredibly powerful. But he's just not good at it. And, and that's okay because at the end of the day, for me, it's about the president getting shit done. And, and you, know, I, you know, I would go back to you and when you say I don't agree with a lot of things this president is and I, I would l- I love some – maybe it's another show to ask you, give me one thing you don't like that he's done from a policy perspective. 
Oh my god, are we doing this? I don't like no, no, fan- I, I, no, 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 that's fine. I don't like yeah. fanning the racial flames. I think we're it, here it, just it, how I, I think that's what's happened. What, that's when what's happened. You, there's when people that, that are good on both sides. Okay, no, right, you no, no, but you know, but, but, but hold on, hold on. Oh, you can't no no. But he, he prefaced that by he he wasn't talking about the white supremacist, and he made it very clear he wasn't. That wasn't the whole quote. I don't know. I've heard no, that. No, but I'm saying, about, see, here's where you, this is where it goes off the rails. I'm telling you, if you listen to the entire okay. comment, he ba- he specifically calls out the the racists are the scum of the earth and they're the worst possible people you can imagine. But there are pe- good people on both sides. I mean, that, I just don't think you can even say that though. It's not it's uh, not presidential to right. do that. Well, we the, don't want our see, politics to be. We didn't okay. want, but we didn't want a president. Right. We wanted somebody. Remember, remember four years ago, we wanted somebody that wasn't in the mainstream. We wanted somebody Those who that was voted different. for him. Right. Right. Half no, no, no. We were all calling for change. Right. We wanted someone who wasn't a tried and true, tired old politician. You know, that's mm-hmm. why Bernie Sanders caught so many people, uh, you know, and all the things that went with that. This is what a guy who isn't a career politician looks like. You know, you, I mean, you can dislike him and that's fine. And, and all the things go with that. But. The fact of the matter is, every you know, you say he he's fanning the racial flames. Well, at the same time, he had more minorities at work than at any time in recorded history. I, you know what? There are a lot of stats. And yeah. That's that's the dichotomy. Yeah, you know what? The, let's just, let's uh, let's go back to right. base. I, and I this is the this is the dichotomy of this of this reign too. It's right. it really is. There's a lot of things. Okay, 2020. We may have baseball. We might no. not. You're a player. You're a player. Do you want to play baseball under the conditions where you'd be playing 50 to 80 games and playing through December? Well, first of all, we shouldn't even be here. This is embarrassing, ridiculous, and stupid. And after these riots and, and the fact that not every human being on the in America is dying of COVID-19, they should be playing. Secondly, the I knew the day I started to read the owner's initial proposal, there's no chance there's going to be a baseball season. None. And that sucks. Um, and would I be dying to play? Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, these guys, a lot of these guys, and I think they will, they'll go back and sue the owners for those guaranteed contracts. Those are guaranteed. You know, and, and, but, but the fact of the matter is this, the owners coming back with a 114 game schedule and the players just responding with a 50 game schedule tells me that there's no chance unless one side caves and you have the strongest union in the world in the players association and the greediest in the owners. And, and, and that's hard when Blake Snell tweets out what he does and act and says just dumb shit, then, you know, what, what can you do? You can't really defend that. Like I'm going to get mine and I ain't playing for pro, you know, come on, dude. I mean, seriously, really? I mean, so, but le- he's a left-hander and left-handers are the oddest human beings on earth. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I, I don't think we're going to see baseball, and that that crowd, that's sad. I've I've heard so many of these uh, uh, guys, and it, it's it's so different now than it was when you went through it in '94 and '85 because you didn't have Twitter. No, nobody was oh, on Twitter. Thank God, because I was a player rep then. Yeah, oh right? my God, that would have been a Could bad. Could you imagine? Bad. Lenny Dykstra on Twitter in '94 and '95. Well, I, I, I don't think he could be any. I don't think Lenny could be any worse than he already is. He's, I, I love him to death. But his Twitter account is a just a dumpster fire. <laughs> but like, like, <laughs> like, 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 oh, like, oh, well, he like, called out one of the greatest human beings in the, that I've ever known, Dale Murphy. He called him out today. I know. 
Oh, yeah, God. he did. He called him out because well, Murph's son, got, son got apparently was at one of the protests and got hit with a rubber bullet in, in the eye, right next to his eye, and thankfully he was saved. But but then when when Dale went on to pontificate about why and how, and I disagree with everything he said, but Dale Murphy is one of God's good people, man. He I know he's a Mormon, but my <laughs> God, he's an he was and he still is to me. I, I love that man. But for Lenny to call him out, you know, that was just. Especially given the whole, you know, Lenny. Real. I don't know if you guys saw that the Darling suit was dismissed today, and yep. the judge. Yeah, the judge basically said, "Lenny, I'm not sure if it's possible to slander you anymore." Like, <laughs> basically said, "Your entire life is a slander. You, what you've done, and how people think of you is all your fault. No one can make people view you any worse." And it was like, "Oh, okay." Um. But like you said, man, to get to get back to baseball, I, I got I got to bring it back to the stats because that's what I do. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. I sucked. So I, I, I got it by the numbers. And uh, you had uh, six qualified seasons with at least five strikeouts per walk, which is tied for the most all time with Tommy Bond. And mm-hmm. Tommy Bond pitched at a time when the mound was 45 feet away yeah. from home plate. Wasn't it like six strikes and nine balls or something? <laughs> pretty, pretty damn close. Yeah, but I would. Just, I, that's, I, I think you and I had a t- conversation. I laughed about that because I said, oh, my God, if I played in when there was nine balls, I, I don't think Greg Maddox or I would have ever walked a batter in my entire career. <laughs> like, you know, but that's, yeah, strikeouts to walks, that was, and see, that was in 1995 in my mind. I was already looking sabermetrically at the game. That's how I always looked at it. But like, to me, go ahead. To, to me, I'm sorry. And to me, it just blows my mind that you have to, you take your career and you've got to go back to the 1800s before you find somebody who did what you did and they did what they did under different circumstances. Right, right. It's, it's, it's insane. And well, that's then, cool. I like, I, I, I mean, stuff like that. I would have I would have never been aware of in this from the sense that I am if people like you hadn't done that. And then so, you know, I always like Tim Kirkchen and Jason Stark and those guys who 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 I've always loved because they've always been true baseball fans at heart. When they when they go into an argument, boy, there's no better sport to argue with statistics than baseball. And, you know, I, I get a ton of guff for saying, you know, when you ask me who the best player is, my my response is pre or post integration because I don't. I don't, you, I don't think you can be the best player in the world when a subset of your mankind is not allowed to do what you do. So uh, I'm actually of the school thought that, like, you know, you look at the teams. There, there was eight teams in each league back in, the, like, the 1920s. And, of course, black people weren't allowed to play, which was not – that's not right. And it's not acceptable by any means. But um, you look at the concentration of talent because uh, there's so few teams. And, you know, what the teams maybe on a whole, if you look at the adjusted stats, were better in terms of their concentration of talent. But uh, you look at the game today or even, what, 30, 20 years ago, right. you got a guy like Ricky Henderson who's by far and away, Barry Bonds, by far and away. Well, we're, a couple we're, of the- we're the, one, of the, one of the problems with, first of all, as a species, we've gotten bigger and stronger and faster. So it, it, if nothing else changed, that has changed. And it's not a small change, right? Men, men and women now are bigger, are strong. I mean, Frank Howard was a towering man when he played at 6'5", 210. 
You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, that that's a backup catcher nowadays. I mean, it's it's stunning. But but the changes in the game and and I would argue, you know, one of the experiments you could do is, you know, take all of the black players in baseball and all the white players in baseball and, and you know, put them on eight different teams in each league and don't have them play each other. And tell and show me, you know, what are the statistics going to look like? It's an interesting thing. It's fascinating. But I, and I hear your argument. But when I see things like Babe Ruth, who and I see his bat and I hold his bat and realize he's swung a forty ounce bat, no man alive could do that today. Well, you're swinging a forty ounce bat because you're not facing. I, I wrote a piece a while ago. Exactly. And I'll, I'll send it your way, Walter. Right. My, my theory is Walter Johnson threw eighty eight miles an hour. I exactly. think the hardest exactly. throwing human being on the planet was throwing 88. And the guys like, throwing 88 today are throwing batting practice at 5 p.m. If they're lucky. Right. Right. You know, I people talk about Feller and William, and I believe as you got into the 40s and 50s, as, as men start, again, we're, you, you know, you go back and look at the Army uniforms from the time. Guys were small on average. And we've, we've just gotten genetically, we've gotten bigger and stronger and faster. I mean, I think about, you know, my dad always said, well, I always use Mickey Mantle as kind of, everybody talks about the fact that Mickey Mantle was like a 3-1 or a 3-2 from, from the right side. Um, and I remember my dad, when my dad was alive, my dad said, he saw Bo Jackson. And my dad said Bo Jackson was the first athlete he had ever seen that he would compare to Mickey Mantle. And so I, I, I don't think my dad's eyes lied to him. But, you know, you remember things. In, in a lot of sense, it's the, it's the fishing story. You know, the day after the fish is, is, is 18 inches, which maybe it was 16 and a half. A month later, the fish is 24 inches big that you caught and showing everybody. And then five years later, the inch was a trophy bass that almost set a world record. When you look back, you know, and you think about, I mean, God, I came in in 88. And I think about the staff in Baltimore that I came up on. I don't know that maybe one or two of those guys would have even sniffed a big league staff now. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I remember uh, talking to you about um, when you came up. And you were initially supposed to be some uh, a closer, I guess, right? Well, I was no, I was a starter all through the minor leagues. Okay. And, and so when I came up in 88, I got a couple starts and, and my first one was good. And the other three were absolutely and utterly embarrassing. Uh, 89, I went back to AAA and started. And when I got called up in 89, I, same thing, I got a couple starts. I didn't do really well. And then in 90, I came up in the midseason and I was a reliever. Uh, and then I got traded to Houston and I, they asked me literally the day of the trade when I was talking to the brass front of Houston brass and Bob Watson and got, you know, God rest his soul. They asked me what I wanted to do. Did I want to start a relief? And I said, I want to be the closer. And they're like, all right, you're the closer. <laughs> and you know, the, 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 the tragedy of that though, was that they never ever even thought about giving me a chance to start after they didn't like what I did closing. So, so, uh, and I, I'm sorry we're running on uh, time no, here, but sorry. but um, uh, I remember you telling me there was like this phenomenon that you made your debut and you faced like everybody was beat. Oh, it was Boggs. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I played for Baltimore starting yeah. against Boston. Bruce Hurst was the pitcher. Wade Boggs was the first hitter I ever faced. Marty Barrett got the first hit I ever gave up. And Ellis Burks hit, was the first big league home run I ever gave up. That's like ridiculous. it's, it's unbelievable. I think it's very cool, but it's like one of those things that I thought about and I was like, wow, that's, that's, it's that's weird, weird, man. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. 
You know what else Schilling did during your rookie year? Your first manager, was it Ripken or had Frank Robinson taken over? It was that? Frank. Yeah, it was Frank who was uh, who was. So so I knew Frank before I met Frank. Like I grew up a baseball fan. So I knew I'm 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 playing for arguably the most underrated player in the history of baseball, in my opinion. Um, and he was an old school, no nonsense guy. And I was the exact opposite. I was, I had the Brian Bosworth haircut. I remember I had an earring. Um, I had a Corvette. I was, I was what you would, I was literally an asshole. And, and <laughs> he, I, but, but in, when I met him and I got called up in eight, I was eight months over my, my father had passed away eight months prior to that. And, I was desperately in need of a male authority figure, and he was such an amazing. He was good to me. He was really good to me, and and he he was. I needed tough love, and you know he gave it to me for sure. But it's. Uh, I tell the story when I got called up in 1990, which was kind of like my final call up to to being a big leaguer. I'm sitting in Frank's office in Minnesota. He calls me in, and it's not gonna. It's not gonna come over as well on Skype. But he calls me in, and I'm nervous because he's the manager. I've got an earring in my ear and I've got my mo my, my Bosworth haircut and I'm sitting a, across the desk from him and our, no, so you can see me on Skype. Right. Okay. So, um, he looks at me. Okay. He calls me in and I sit down he looks at me and he, and he kind of does this. Just leans over with his hand on his face. And, okay? he, and he's, he's doing this 10 minutes, <laughs> get a stop, get a stopwatch and do 10 minutes. And he's just every couple minutes. He's like, <sighs> and I'm too scared to speak. So now I'm starting to like sweat. And he's just every now and then you go. Mm. Mm. <laughs> 10 minutes. And I'm sitting there and finally he looks up. And he goes, what the hell am I going to do with you? He said, I can tell you one thing until you get that haircut and that piece of crap out of your ear, you'll never throw a pitch for me. <laughs> I walked out of his office, into the bathroom, shaved my head, took my earring out, and never put it back in again. And he, he the, put me in the game that night. But it was a mustache. I, well, come on, that was just stupid. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know on what planet I thought that was cool. But I was, I grew the the, the bicolored mustache. You know, it was like the orange and blonde. It looked, oh, that's me, it man. Looked, yeah, it was my, my horrible. Hair comes in red and black. I don't. And Ryan I watched Austin. movies from the 70s, and I don't think the mustache, except for Burt Reynolds, was ever a good look. Didn't work. Ever. Yeah, my dad tried to pull it off, too. Yeah, that is, no. He tried. And, and you know, uh, uh, Sam... Kennison? Uh, no, I don't no, know. No, 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 no. The, 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 the deep throat, deep voice. Sam Elliott. Okay. He can pull he off. Good too. Yeah, he's right. a badass. Yep, yep. But well, no, hey... Let, let me just say this. Um, it is actually nice to disagree with someone and have a civil discourse, you know? And I was telling Ryan this earlier today. I'm like, which way do you think it goes if it goes there? And I said, you know what? It'd be awesome if we could just have a conversation. Yeah. Thank you. No. Seriously, thank you. Because, I, and, and I'm going to get yelled at for this, I'm sure, from a lot of people. How could you be nice to him? Yeah. And then the other side is, how could you challenge him? I've done a ton of interviews. And very rarely can you disagree with somebody and actually have a discourse. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah, Kurt. I can. All, I, and, and honest to God, if that was something that could happen more prevalent, we wouldn't have what we have right now. I mean, I yeah, I firmly believe that I'm in the right, 
and I'll argue that I'm in the right. But if you show me, and I'm I'm a facts and, and data guy. If you show me facts and data that dispute an opinion of mine, I might not like it, but I can't refute it. And so, you know, I I, I always enjoy talking to people. I that's who I want to talk. You know, I, I'm a Christian too, and I mean Jesus didn't come back for the Christians. He came back to save the the you know, the unwanted souls, the bad. The, you know, doctors don't work on people that are that are well. You know, you want to talk with people that have different opinions of you because if you believe what you believe and you're firmly entrenched in it, you want people to think like you think because I'm happy, and and I want people to be happy. I want, you know, I I'm I'm crushed at the at the at the at the, the what the world is seeing us do right now. This is the greatest country to ever exist. And yes, we have our flaws. And my God, there we have some scars in our history. But we did everything we could to right those. And, you know, and, and so we, we're, we're trying. We're always going to be a work in progress. I mean, humanity is, you know. So, yeah. No, I, I enjoy that. I appreciate you saying that. But I, I certainly, and I, I would tell you the same. I enjoy talking to people. And, you know, because people love to tell me, well, you know, I, I don't agree with you politically. And I, most of the time it's like, well, okay, I didn't ask you. <laughs> number one but but it, but i love being able to talk about that stuff because i i don't ever have a problem going into a room and not being the smartest person in the room but i have a huge problem coming out not being smarter if that makes sense mm-hmm. makes you know I, yeah i and and i'm gonna get smarter talking with people that disagree with me who can have a rational conversation but this conversation that's the problem with this conversation right though because at some point, it gets to the point where one side has to go completely on emotion, and it just goes off the rails. So, uh, Shil, just just to wrap things up, uh, yep. and on what you're what you're saying there, um, Holden knows well. Uh, my and you do even because you you shared the uh, one tweet that I shared. My my girlfriend's from Iran, and I think it's funny that she. Um, sees these posts from people, uh, Americans. And, you know, yeah. as Americans, I think as Americans, we're all privileged, really. Yep. And, oh, absolutely. Um, we're lucky, yeah. blessed. Yeah, really. And um, she thinks it's funny that, like, people are complaining about, like, I'm in a bad place because I'm in America. Right. And I, I just find it ironic that, like, she's the one, you know, she's only been here three years. She's like, yeah. well, go go to my country. Right. I've been there. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I – I, but and I get why a lot of it is the way it is. I mean – I couldn't figure out until I went over there how you could have these videos of these five, six, seven-year-old Palestinian kids going around with AK-47s, stabbing the the fake dolls that were supposed to be Israel. It's but then you go over there and you realize I stayed in Saddam's palace, okay, and it's this huge compound and it's all made to look unbelievably good, but it's really crappy stuff. But literally on the outside walls of his palace are lean-to mud huts where people live. And th- there's no education over there. So the, the the learning curve is, and I saw it firsthand, you've got 15 kids from 5 to 15 to 18 standing on the corner listening to a radical imam preach the Quran. And the infidels and how the white man is the devil and if you all, if that's all you hear from the age of five, I, I saw a video today that it was awesome. It was a little black boy, like five years old, and a little white boy, like five years old. And they were running at each other, and they hit each other I and just it. hugged. And awful. I'm thinking, right. And, and it's the same thing. If you raise a black child and a white child in a room alone for their entire lives, they won't even understand what racism is. They'll, right. they, they, you know, and, so it's on us. 
we, we, the people, have brought this on ourselves, and we, the people, have to fix it. So, well, Shil, man, we really appreciate you joining on with yep, uh, both of us. Anytime. We got, uh, we got, we got Kurt Schilling, who faced thirty-two different players who are in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, a combined seven hundred twenty-one times, and they batted two forty-nine, three hundred one, three eighty-two against him. And uh, it's, it's in my opinion that um. Bon- well, now Kurt. I hope Bonds never gets in. Those numbers will go through the roof. <laughs> hey, he hit okay against you, but yeah. But uh, you you held your own, and uh, I, I definitely think you belong in the Hall of Fame. Thank I'll you. I'll continue to go to bat for you uh, I where I can, man. Gentlemen, it was awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anytime care, you want to call, hit me up. All right, we'll do it. Take very care. Good. That's Kurt right, Schilling joined us here on the walk off and a lot of different things there between social issues to major league baseball. You know, the, it actually, the baseball talk was a really fascinating stuff because what I, do you think they're going to play this year still, by the way, today is the day you owe me a hundred dollars, Spader. You yeah. owe me $100 right now because I told you they wouldn't play by June I told 1st. You I'll, I'll send it to you at Nichols. I'm uh, ready for another bet. Um, I'll tell you what, let's do July what? 4th, dollar or nothing. July 4th, they play. Don't, See, that's what I'm kind of looking at. Right now, I'm kind of there. I was going to go I'm July 1st. July 4th, double or nothing. Yeah, I'm not going to go double nothing on that because that's where I think it's going to be. I thought you were going to push it. Um, you were still going to be around late June. They, right, they could I'll, get it I'll in tell here. you what. I'll tell you what. Hold on. Look at the calendar here. Yeah. Because I do think they play, Spader. I, I again, I still think they're coming back. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you July third. Double or nothing, July third, two hundred. But they're gonna start playing by July third. Yep. Okay. I'll give you the third. Okay. Double or nothing. I don't know why you would do that, but okay. Give me, so you're saying that there will be a baseball game on July third. By July third. Yes. By July third. Okay. And I'll uh, just so Do you, not, you, you cannot send it. You have to send me a check or PayPal. None of no, this. I'm sending you nickels. Just You're so. such a dick. God, I don't like you. Okay. Anyways, we're done with that. That was Kurt Schilling. Feel free to uh, hit us up on Twitter. If you have anything to say about that interview. Um, I enjoyed uh, most of it. Just about all of it. Actually, it was, I yeah, always I, enjoy I, talking to people. I have a completely different worldview with that. I do not agree with on a lot of things and then have a conversation with them. So I, I, I think uh, something that Schilling does very well is when uh, you're speaking to him and you're speaking to the man, it, it, it's less of that uh, meme talk. You know what I mean? It, it, you're, you're, you're more speaking to an individual and you can see point of views and everything. And I think he does a pretty good job at that. Uh, All right. Yep. You hit uh, hit Spader up on Twitter at the Ace of Spader S P A E D R. Hit me up at Holden Radio. We're both on Twitter, and we'll catch you later in the week.